And joining me now here on our Locked On Broncos, Locked On NFL crossover, I'm joined by Matt Williamson. He's the host of Locked On NFL and is a scout for the area of the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously doing a lot of work down there at Pittsburgh Steelers minicamp, formerly also of ESPN, did a lot of work for them as well. Matt, thank you for joining me here on Locked On Broncos today. Yeah, man, it's great to talk to you. Um, you mentioned it, that one of my side jobs is I work for Steeler Nation Radio. I've been at all their mini camp. I was there for five hours today. I'll be go back tomorrow. Always good to see guys live in action. I was a scout for Browns the way back. I was at ESPN for 10 years. Started my own website, williamsonfootball.com. Urge you to check that out. And if you haven't checked out the Lucked On NFL podcast, you must do so. We go all the way around the league. Absolutely. And you do a very good job of that. You know, I always say when I need my, you know, NFL news from around the league, I always tune into your podcast on Locked On NFL. Great work over there as well. And, and, you know, Matt, today I really wanted to talk to you about several things regarding the Denver Broncos. The big moves for the Broncos this year, obviously the offseason addition of Case Keenum via free agency and the big draft pickup and Bradley Chubb. From an outsider's perspective, you know, looking into the AFC West, you know, obviously covering the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time. What were your thoughts on the Denver Broncos picking up Case Keenum as their quarterback? It was essentially the first move that was guaranteed in the NFL free agency period this year in 2018. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I mean, I think it immediately makes them much more competitive. And I thought I saw enough of Keenum in Minnesota to say – this isn't fluky. You know, his line wasn't great. He had really good weapons. Okay running backs once Dalvin Cook went down, but he made those around him better. He extended plays. He got out of sacks, didn't make mistakes. And wow, that's just so much different than what we've seen from Denver the last couple of years, really since the Super Bowl. I mean, and even before Manning's last year wasn't so hot that I think that, I mean, your listeners might know this. I've told this to my listeners, but I don't know that the national audience realizes a enough that the turnover problem in Denver, you know, was really, really bad. Field starting field position, things like that. I mean, there was just the special teams. There was just so much stress on a good defense that they never helped that group out, that they always had to have that that defense that, that's still great, bail them out time and time again. And now with a truly professional quarterback and a massive upgrade at the most important position, I just expect them to sustain offense better you know, to to not put the defense in such binds over and over and over. So even the early word at camp in Dove Valley, a lot of the Broncos players, even the defensive side of the ball, they're praising Case Keenum quite a bit, and he's getting more acknowledgement and love from them than Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch did in the last two years down there in Denver. And they say a lot of it is his leadership. And one thing is I always sure. encourage Broncos list, you know, fans and listeners that if they don't understand exactly what Case Keenum's about, to go back and watch the All or Nothing series with the Los Angeles Rams when Case Keenum was the quarterback there he was under you know he was on a staff with Jeff Fisher where it really wasn't predicated to suit his strengths as a quarterback but one thing that stood out was his leadership ability he commands the huddle he's very positive and upbeat and even when he got benched for Jared Goff who even in that same system that year most people labeled him as a bust early on and he went on to do great things the next year with Sean McVay but you know the point is is leadership is very very unprecedented in the National Football League we look around the NFL what type 
type of premier guys are actually leaders? We got Drew Brees, we have Ben Roethlisberger, we have you know uh, Tom Brady as the key guys. Aaron Rodgers. Those are some pillar names in terms of you know quarterbacks right now that are at the leadership position. The Broncos, ever since Peyton Manning retired at the end of 2015, they haven't had that. And so for me, looking at the Case Keenum signing, this was a tremendous pickup for the Denver Broncos. And you know, yet the fans at at the beginning that were on the fence about it because they wanted to make the big splash with Kirk Cousins. But simply, he was going to demand too much money in the Denver Broncos, as we know with John Elway. John Elway isn't going to overpay for something he knows he could probably get maybe even better production out of. And, you know, it's more of a reward than a risk. And I think Case Keenum is the perfect option for the Denver Broncos. Now, this year, Bill Musgrave is the full-time offensive coordinator. Last year, he had to work with bits and pieces with a half-install after they fired Mike McCoy. So he transitioned from quarterback coach to full-time offensive coordinator. And we saw when he was working with the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr back in 2016, Derek Carr was a legitimate MVP candidate before breaking his leg under Bill Musgrave's system. And that right there, I think combining that with Case Keenum's leadership, you know, I'm very excited to see what the potential is for the Denver Broncos. But looking at it on paper, it's an evident and tremendous upgrade at the position, like you were saying, that they've missed out earlier. Now, the question heading into training camp this year isn't a quarterback battle, thankfully. I know a lot of Broncos listeners are very excited about that, but the question mark is that who's going to take over at running back for the Denver Broncos? Now, obviously, Devontae Booker was the man behind C.J. Anderson last year. C.J. Anderson's now with the Carolina Panthers. They drafted Royce Freeman in round number three, and they have D'Angelo Henderson, who they picked up out of uh, Coastal Carolina last year. He, these are the three guys that are going to be competing necessarily for the starting position on day one, but Vance Joseph said two to three guys are going to contribute for the Broncos run game. What are your thoughts on that, you know, in terms of seeing the NFL success with going with multiple running backs throughout an NFL season rather than just one guy? Yeah, and one more small quarterback note I just wanted to throw out there, and it's probably wishful thinking, but because they didn't draft someone in the in the early portion of the of the first round or sign a, a Cousins, you know, they kind of split the difference. I think that's slightly encouraging. The door at least is still open for Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly. You know that uh, let's not totally flush those guys yet. They maybe they you know mature in this next year. As for the running back position, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I, I really don't think there's a number one on the team, and that's okay. I mean, we the you know the team we saw the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Patriots used a wide variety of guys, and I think for the most part it'll be a committee. I think Booker's an underrated receiver. You know, the the Broncos fans probably know this, but I'm not sure that my listeners do. That as big backs go, I think he does a very nice job in the passing game. I've been told, and you might know this better, that there's probably going to be more old school, true zone running here. And uh, that would make sense. And I think Freeman fits that better than Booker. Both are Booker or Freeman. I'm sorry, is more of a no nonsense guy. I think Booker can dance a little bit. Um, I I, I, I still have super high hopes for either of them. But I do think without question, the running game should be noticeably better sustaining. 
And I think that's very important as well. You know, the yeah. Broncos, you know, especially the offensive line, I think their flow, in order to get the run game going, you have to have consistency on the offensive line. And they juggled with tackles last year. Well, they're going to move Ron Leary back to left guard where he played at an all-pro level for the Dallas Cowboys to help out Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Matt Paradise is fully healthy heading into 2018. and the 2017 offseason, he had hip surgery before training camp, and that kind of hindered him a little bit. And Connor McGovern got a lot of work at center. But when Ron Leary went out with a back injury and was placed on IR for the rest of the year, he stepped in at right guard and impressed the Denver Broncos coaching staff. Now they have some new additions on the offensive line in terms of coaches with Sean Kugler out of UTEP. He's a guy that that's noted and characterized as a guy who's going to be mean and gritty. So you hope the offensive line can replicate that type of behavior there. And they're going to have Matt Paradise at center. Connor McGovern and Menelik Watson, who played tackle last year for the Broncos, are going to alternate at guard this year. And they brought in via trade Jared Valdir, right tackle from the, uh, actually he was a left tackle, they're moving him to right tackle from the Arizona Cardinals. He's going to ease his way into it, obviously coming off of an ankle injury he suffered back in December, but he's a big guy. And the Denver Broncos, especially in the AFC West, where you have pass rushers like Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin, and even you know uh, Justin Houston, those guys out there for the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers, they're going to try to get to the quarterback, and it's important for Case Keenum and the Denver Broncos to have some solidarity in protecting him, which they didn't have a lot of protection last year for Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch or even Brock Osweiler as they rotated the three-quarterback carousel. Now, one more interesting note you made on the Denver Broncos quarterback situation is the cool thing about this offseason is – Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly get a battle for the backup quarterback spot. And this is going to be a big test for Paxton Lynch, who struggled in two years, to beat out Trevor Simeon. Now, I think, you know, early reports coming out of OTAs, Vance Joseph says Paxton Lynch looks a lot more comfortable. And the playbook is a little more simpler for the Denver Broncos offensive side of the ball. So very eager to see how that battle plays out. But I agree with you in terms of the running back committee is I don't see there being a true number one tailback, a feature back that you see for most NFL teams right now. Now, on the Denver Broncos roster, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a veteran at some point. It's always possible, but at this point, it looks like they may be going with running back by committee, and I think having a solidified offensive line helps those matters out much more. Yeah, and not to put words in your mouth, but you may be a little more high on the Broncos offensive line than I am. I mean, I look at it and think... It looks to be improved. Uh, you mentioned Leary's move. I think that'll help. I think he's a winner. I think him and Paradise in the middle are a, a strong duo. I like Garrett Bowles quite a bit. I don't have a lot of faith in Valdir, but maybe they can you know, make him a reclamation project and get a good year out of him. I think the right guard situation's worrisome. Um, Paradise is coming off an injury, too, isn't he? Doesn't he have hip issues? or I forget what exactly his issue is. Yes, it, it was hip, and then he had this whole offseason to recover. So he's actually – he said he – this is the healthiest he's felt. He's at, he can actually squat now, which he said for him, he hasn't been able to do that since coming into the league. So that's absolutely oh, wow. huge news. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a bad group, but I would say of the offense, the offensive line is what worries me the most. And I, I was fiddling around. I didn't officially do them, but I was looking at offensive line rankings and where I would put them. This would still probably be a bottom 10 unit for me. And that worries me a little bit considering the division they're in. You mentioned some of the pass rushers and whatnot. That being said, I do think the offense is still noticeably better than a year ago. 
And I think, you know, having a quarterback with the leadership that Case Keenum brings, we, we saw in 2015, you alluded to this point a little earlier, when Peyton Manning wasn't even having the best year of his career, he was having one of the worst years of his career. Well, the thing that made the difference between them, obviously having a very great defense to help support them, but Peyton Manning, when he was healthy, when he came back in, he managed the game and he made smart decisions. Having that type of guy will make up for a lot of deficiencies that you have on the offensive line. And as I look back in history for the Denver Broncos, they necessarily haven't really had a great offensive line even during the Peyton Manning areas the thing you know they had some guys right. that were very good but Peyton Manning obviously being the ultimate coach on the field as well made a big difference in a lot of those areas and he was able to get the ball out quickly before getting hit and we even seen him take tremendous shots after shots you know from Luke Keekley, even Dwight Freeney and even uh, James Harrison had a chance to get a lot of pressure on Peyton Manning even in the, uh, the playoff game back in 2015 but you know when I go back and look at things real quick I, on that before you I just want to throw one thing in I think that's a good point about Manning and I think having like I said a professional quarterback in Keenum will go a long way in making the protection better I'm, I'm very much a believer the protection is at least 50% on the quarterback and to be frank the weakness of the Vikings last year reserves offensive line too I mean Keenum extended plays was smart with the ball went under pressure and so I think he's a good fit in that regard and I, I believe he also had one of the best passer ratings in the National Football League against the Blitz. So he was very good at identifying and picking it up. And like you said, you know, a lot of people will make the same comparisons. The Vikings had a very phenomenal defense last year down there in Minnesota, and they didn't have a very good offensive line. But the difference was Case Keenum could get the ball out on time. He could extend plays with his legs. And that is the difference maker. I think that's where we can make that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady-esque type point. Because even over the years, we've seen Tom Brady not have a very great line at points. But the difference is his ability to understand where the blitz is coming from. And, And that's something that the Broncos haven't had a quarterback in two and a half years. So I look forward to seeing the transformation of Case Keenum. Now, before we get to our next part, you know, the AFC West, it it, it appears to be wide open. Now, last year on paper, we thought that it was going to be a division predicated on being one of the toughest divisions in the National Football League. And it ended up being quite opposite last year. But this year, you know, with some of the odd, you know, offseason additions and Patrick Mahomes taking over for the Kansas City Chiefs, Derek Carr and John Gruden starting a new era down there. Who knows what that's going to look like? And Los Angeles Chargers, they're my underdog team this year in the National Football League. They don't necessarily get a lot of credit that I think they should, but they're an under the radar team. And I think that they're perfectly okay with that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, the West to me, and I even a year ago, I picked the Chargers to win the West. And frankly, I thought they were the best team in the division last year. I mean, if they could have made a kick of that first month of the season, you know, they, they may have ended up in a bye. I mean, I think they're a very talented team. I think they have the best quarterback in the division. Um, they have star power. Losing Hunter Henry is big, but I am without question going to pick the Chargers to win the division, even though they kind of seem like a cursed team. I mean, it's always something with this guy, these guys. You can't make a kick or injuries or whatever. And again, Hunter Henry. As for the Chiefs, I think the rest of the world's higher on them than I am. And by no means am I an Alex Smith fan or supporter. And I am very much a Mahomes supporter. He was my number one quarterback in that draft class. But to expect Mahomes to play as well as Smith did in 2017, I think is crazy. I mean, Smith had a really good year. And Mahomes, as much as I like him, is going to make way more mistakes than Alex Smith did. I mean, he may make more wild plays that end up on SportsCenter, but he's going to throw some of the other team that just make you scratch your head in Farvian fashion. And yeah, he's got a lot around him. 
But I think that offense will be a very fun roller coaster to watch, good and bad. But there's going to be very, very highs, very, very lows. And I don't think their defense is able to to make up for it. I mean, even with Eric Berry coming back, maybe another big year from Justin Houston gets back to where he was. There's a lot of questions with me on that defense, especially with Peters gone. I think it's a bottom five or ten defense in the league. And for the Raiders, you kind of mentioned it. You know, what are they now? I mean, they've gotten old overnight. They they look like they want to run the ball with heavy personnel and blocking tight ends and fullbacks. And we'll see. But there's not much that they've done this offseason that inspires confidence in me. So I think as a result, I'm probably higher on the Chargers and the Broncos than most analysts are out there in that division. And I think that makes sense. And you have some experience, too, in this area with a certain former Pittsburgh Steeler, now on the Oakland Raiders, and Martavis Bryant, another weapon for Derek Carr to throw to. Obviously, they had the addition of Jordy Nelson as well in the offseason. They lost Michael Crabtree. It just appears that John Gruden, you bring in a coach, you sign him to a 10-year, $100 million contract, You know, Reggie McKenzie is the general manager on paper, but it actually appears that John Gruden is absolutely running the show in Oakland. And a lot of those moves, you know, we're scratching our head like, you know, they're getting older rather than younger. But, you know, I I said it yesterday. I'm not sure about these moves. But then again, you know, John Gruden, he must see something that I don't see or a lot of people don't see because some of those moves have been very head scratching. Now, I do like the addition of Martavis Bryant. Now, the question is, can you keep him happy? Because I know he's very unhappy with his role in Pittsburgh last year. Obviously, we the uh, you know resurgence of Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. I think you talked about this on your last podcast. Those two guys, you know, emerge, and it's hard for a lot of NFL corners to keep up with them. Um, you know, you usually have to have a pretty good guy, but most of the time they're the pillars of that position down there in Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on Martavis Bryant and what he can add to the Raiders? Yeah, and last year I was at minicamp and broadcasting, and that was whenever he was coming back. You know, 365 days ago, more or less, and. Basically, I was just telling the world, look out for Martavis Bryant. This guy looks phenomenal. He's he's bigger. He's faster. He's been training in Vegas. He looks phenomenal. I think he's going to have a gigantic season. And by no means did that come true. And a lot of it was his fault. A lot of it was Ben's fault. I think that there was a an immediate disconnect between the two that um, I don't know, you know, the chemistry quote or, you know, where, you know, where should he be in, on certain routes? A lot of different things where they and frankly, early in the season, Ben wasn't playing very well, especially on the deep balls. You know, if you watch the all 22, there was a lot of times where you watch Bryant and thought he runs a great route. He's wide open. Ben doesn't release. It or he overthrows them or misses them. You know, I mean, there was a lot of those things, or they just miss often. And then he kind of pouted about it. And I understood that because the guy worked really hard. He was frustrated and he wanted to come back and make a big impact and it wasn't working. But to his credit, then he rededicated himself as a blocker. You know, that's really big around here. Juju going back to Heinz Ward. I mean, so he did the little things well. He sounds like he's clean. But before last year, I looked at him and thought, this might be including Julio Jones and those guys and Josh Gordon, the most talented receiver in the league. And while his tape was good last year, I didn't see that. You know, I didn't see special traits like he had pre-suspension. And back to the Raiders, I mean, they would be a demon of a team to play if it was 2016. 
and that makes a lot of sense too because you know yeah, I, Martin Nelson very yeah. young you know those additions right there especially with you know Amari Cooper there as well you're gonna have a lot of time you know I was thinking about it when they picked up Martavis Bryant you know if they've got Amari Cooper Jordy Nelson and some of these other guys obviously Griff Whalen as well they added him you know where are the touches for Martavis Bryant if he was frustrated in Pittsburgh and I, and I go back to the film as well the all 22 film and I watched Ben Roethlisberger had one of his most inconsistent years last year in, in recent memory and you know there was a lot of contemplation whether or not he was going to play now you being around Steelers camp and everything like that I heard some rumblings that Ben Roethlisberger was upset that Mason Rudolph was picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the draft is there any truth to that or is that just you know hearsay and rumblings and and things like that yeah and let's get to that in a minute but I almost overlooked something that my audience absolutely needs to know and you told them about yesterday our friends over at Blue Chew right dude yeah Blue Chew yeah man i mean you you i was on vacation yesterday so i didn't get a chance to tell everybody about the new sponsor but i want to make sure we do and it's a little bit of a touchy subject out there folks i get it you know that not all you dudes listening are teenagers anymore in your 20s and there may be some performance issues and maybe you've used a little blue pill here and there hey it's better than not being able to step up to the plate. You know what I'm saying? Don't avoid the situation. Address it. And now with Blue Chew, you're in much better shape. You're much better shape than the other options before. Because, you know, the beauty of Blue Chew is let me just read about it. I, I'm going to tell you all about it. I mean, it, it's very good stuff. You can now increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue, B L U E. Bluechew.com brings you the first chewable and same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it's going to work. But the beauty is it's chewable, so it effect- it kicks in much earlier. You don't have to plan it for hours down the road or whatever. It gets the blood flowing. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and based, best of all, no awkwardness. No one needs to know. They made, they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we have an awesome deal for all of our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On, capital L, capital O. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster, and we thank them for supporting the podcast. You got to do it. We talk about the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, the Denver Broncos offseason additions. One of the biggest pickups for the Broncos is Bradley Chubb as a pass rusher. And he's going to play outside linebacker in Joe Woods' 3-4 scheme opposite of Von Miller. Now, with with the pickup of Bradley Chubb, what are your thoughts on the Denver Broncos' defense and how dominant they could be? Obviously, you have to question in Shane Ray. The Broncos declined to pick up his fifth-year option. That's going to play a role into this season as well as having Shaquille Barrett on deck. What are your thoughts on the Denver Broncos' pass rushers right now? Yeah, I mean, it's very, very exciting. And Tlaib not being there makes it a little worry on the back end. This is, you know, these, these positions go hand in hand. My thoughts on Chubb were... A great prospect. I mean, this isn't going to sound like I say he's a great prospect. I don't think he is 
Bosa, Clowney, Mac, Miles Garrett coming out of school, you know, in recent memory. I think he's just a notch below those guys, which still great prospect. I would be very shocked if he doesn't hit. You know, I think he's a very safe prospect. To be honest, I would have taken Quentin Nelson, you know, and that goes back to our conversation with the guard situation. I just thought that he was the best player in this draft. But I'm also in favor of keeping a great strength a strength. And I also think Chubb is big and physical enough that he could do some Michael Bennett-like things, possibly. Maybe line him up over a guard like they do with Clowney on throwing situations and get Ray or Barrett back on the field with Miller on the edge and, you know, Chubb coming up on on the interior over a guard to use his quickness. Maybe it'll take time before that happens, but I do think that's in his future and he could handle that. Um, So it's very exciting. I mean, I do think this will be one of the best defenses in the league. And I didn't, you know, sing glowing praises for Chubb, but I mean, I get it. I mean, there's a lot to like. Absolutely. You know, the Denver Broncos, Vince Joseph came out this week in OTAs and he said that Bradley Chubb will definitely alternate between being a stand-up as an edge rusher, as an outside linebacker. And there'll be times where he'll have his hand in the dirt, you know, in a five technique, you know, pass rushing the quarterback and they could bump him onto the interior. So you you know, the rotations they could be playing with is Von Miller on the outside, Derek Wolf at DN, Domata Peko at nose tackle, and even Bradley Chubb at defensive end. They can alternate him between outside linebacker with him, Shaquille Barrett, and Shane Ray. So they have a lot of options that they can plug and pull for the Denver Broncos defense. Now you mentioned the loss of a keep to leave. That was a huge, huge loss for the Denver Broncos secondary. And there's a question right now as to who's going to step up and be that cornerback. Well, we've seen Bradley Roby who's playing in the final year of his rookie deal. He's going to be due for a contract extension. Chris Harris Jr. is going to bump to the outside this year, more so where he can get a chance to shine in the eyes of all pro voters at the end of the season, get some more recognition. But the question is, who's going to cover the slot? And the Denver Broncos brought in a cover corner out of Boston College in Isaac Yadam, a guy who, when I go back and watch the game tape, you know, he's lengthy. He's got very strong hips. He can be that very physical man-press corner However, he's more suited for the outside. So, you know, there's some talk of Bradley Roby moving to the inside or even Tremaine Brock moving to the inside, an offseason pickup that they had. Previously of the 49ers, he spent last year with the Minnesota Vikings. He hardly sniffed the field there with their talented defense, but now he's in Denver. But as of this time, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, who could potentially step up at defensive back, you know, outside of Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby in the absence of Aqib Tlaib? And obviously we have to factor in the addition of of Sua Cravens to that secondary this offseason. Yeah, and Roby is not a guy that I've mentioned to my audience nearly enough. And I think he is a star in the making, a budding superstar, maybe a Pro Bowl caliber guy. I, I think Denver should do everything possible to lock him up as soon as possible. It surprises me that you're worried about the slot a little bit, though, to be honest with you. And, and I just wanted to ask you a couple things. You know, that because Harris has been so good in the slot, do you think that you know, that he won't kick in there. You know, I'm thinking maybe the rookie goes to the outside when they go to three corners and Harris goes to the inside. Well, and there's been some talk of that. You know, I had an opportunity to speak with Broncos defensive backs coach Greg Williams, and he mentioned to me that they have a lot of options that they can use there. Now, Brennan Langley's a guy they're still going to develop a lot this year. He'll be more of a special teams guy for them, but they said that Chris Harris Jr. will bounce, you know, around during the NFL season from inside to outside, depending on certain 
situations, certain sets, as you mentioned, but they want to get a more of a look on the outside this year, uh, especially against some of these talented receivers. They're, you know, they're going to face a tough schedule this year. And I think, you know, looking at the Broncos schedule, you have to have that kind of flexibility. Now, Chris Harris Jr. has sure. the ability to play the outside, but a, a main concern for him playing the outside, a lot of people have is his height. And especially against some tall wide receivers, the last time the Denver Broncos, Chris Harris Jr. actually matched up against Antonio Brown. He even had safety up over the top, and it was a great battle between those two, but Antonio Brown got the best of him with two scores and 10 catches in a very uh, back-and-forth game down there on a cold night in Pittsburgh. I remember that Brock Osweiler was the quarterback. Emmanuel Sanders had a great game as a homecoming against Pittsburgh, but overall, you know, I think that his suits are more strength-based towards the inside of covering those slots yeah. because he's just so versatile. He's got the ability, and we've seen more NFL quarterbacks and offensive coordinators move their best receiver, their number one receiver, into that number two position inside the slot to get him across the field. We see it with Julio Jones, and it matches up very well against some of those smaller nickel corners or even inside backers and dime safeties. We see those matchup problems you know, commence a little bit, and, and the Denver Broncos haven't had a really strong suit at that position, so I would be surprised. I would say maybe Chris Harris Jr. will probably play about eh, 60-30 you know, on the inside and 30% of the snaps on the outside this year based on that, but as you said, I, I think Isaac Adam can play on the outside opposite of Bradley Roby, and they can really have that inside short up by Chris Harris Jr. And, and Sua Crave is a guy who didn't play football last year. He considered retirement from the National Football League. He kind of quit on the Redskins at first and got reinstated, and then he was demanding a trade to Denver this offseason. You know, I don't you know too much about Sua Cravens, except he's very versatile as a young man. Mm. What are your thoughts on him being that potential nickel backer or that dime backer and that safety for the Denver Broncos, especially in passing situations where the Denver Broncos have primarily struggled in covering tailbacks out of the backfield or little slots. Yeah, he's an interesting guy that I liked a lot coming out of school, liked him early in his career, and it was almost like a year ahead of his time in that people, you know, that there's a lot of these big safeties going to linebacker. We're even seeing it here in Pittsburgh. How are they going to replace his ear? Well, they're going to play a lot of big safeties, you know, line of scrimmage, and I think Cravens is absolutely that player. Um I think getting into a new home can help him a lot. I think that, you know, the book, at least in my opinion, more so in the past than right now to playing the Broncos, the ideal situation was keep them in their base three, four. And so they can't get the extra corner on the field. You know, you want their heavy personnel out there. So you've come out with, you know, two tights or a fullback, you know, you don't come out with three, four wide and, so how they can counter that too is make Cravens basically a linebacker in those sets so that you aren't too heavy against receiving backs like a McCaffrey or somebody like that. Uh, I think he could possibly play man coverage against, I don't want to say Kelsey, but you know, some of the better tight, the athletic tight ends out there that he's an interesting addition. You know, I, I kind of look at him and Valdir as Guys I once liked that I, you know, their careers kind of fizzled, but if they can get, you know, rejuvenated in this new home, that could go a long way to helping their season. 
Matt Williamson, host of Locked On NFL, joining me here today for the Locked On Broncos podcast. Matt bringing a lot of great insight there. Matt, before we get off air here, you know, I'm sure I, I know I really want to know, but I'm sure some of my listeners as well as your listeners want to know what's going on in training camp or even mini camp with Le'Veon Bell. What's the current status with him? Because from what I'm reading, there's this kind of it, it's almost like this uncertainty is in the air and it's becoming more of a headache from the sounds of it. What are your thoughts on that? Obviously, being there and seeing how everything going at minicamp yeah and I think it's going to go very much like it did last year you know he's playing under the franchise tag I know that there's a lot of talk of oh we're looking to extend them I don't think they really are you know they, they've given him such an immense number of touches over these past few years that I think that they will eventually get him back you know he's not going to sit out the season run him into the ground again send him on his way, maybe for a big payday somewhere else. And in the meantime, we're not going to see him. You know, he'll report to camp late like he did last year. Maybe there'll be a little bit of rust, but that's just kind of the nature of the game right now. He's not thrilled about it. He wants a long-term deal, but he's a really hard guy to get signed because I think between this this uh, franchise tag and last year's, it's something like $27 million guaranteed. So if you're his agent, you're saying, well, let's start with $27 million guaranteed. Well, the Steelers don't want to start at that number because that's way more than any other running back in the league's making. So there's some guys in the league right now, Aaron Donald, Gronkowski, you know, Bell for sure, that are really hard to put a number on. And in a way, it's a value to franchise them. And especially with the workload they've given the guy, it's probably best to, you know, run him into the ground again and then part ways. Obviously, a big year for the Pittsburgh Steelers ahead. A lot of question marks heading into training camp. Obviously, with the ending, they you know came up short against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Divisional game in a shootout. From that point, Ben Roethlisberger's returning. Do you think this might be Big Ben's last year in the National Football League? No, uh, I think that he's excited about the coordinator change. You never know. I mean, uh, he's up in age. He's, he's suffered a lot of injuries. I would be shocked if he's not there next year, though. Okay, I'm, I'm excited about that because I think the NFL, and this is just this might be me. You know, I I'm a young guy who's been watching the NFL since I was a li- you know a little kid. I'm 24 years old and and grow up seeing you know Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger back in 2005 when he really impressed a lot of people, winning the Super Bowl against Seattle. You know, seeing some of these guys now no longer in the National Football League with Peyton Manning, it, it's definitely different. We never know with Tom Brady what he might decide to do, but with Ben Roethlisberger, when there was talk of him possibly retiring. I was like, man, you know, what what are the premier name guys outside of Drew Brees and, and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady do we have now at this point that are really you know, pillars of what used to be. And, I, you know, I think the NFL is evolving. You've got a lot of young quarterbacks stepping up. Look at Carson Wentz down there in Philadelphia. Nick Foles is his backup. And, you know, Matt Ryan, a guy who just got a pretty big contract extension as well. You have a lot of young quarterbacks taking over the National Football League. Some of these guys that we're used to seeing, you know, a few years back, way back, you know, those guys, are their, their careers are coming to a close while some of these other careers are starting to come to a peak and, and just beginning. So it's definitely a very bittersweet feeling for 
for me, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, like I said, you know, Matt, I'm very excited about the NFL 2018 regular season. I don't think it could come quick enough. I'm actually excited for it. I, you know, I can't sleep. We're one one step closer to the regular season. We got training camp next month. We have preseason football, and then we're in full swing of the action. So, Matt, for all my for my listeners who may not catch your podcast, how can my listeners of Locked On Broncos hear you and all your daily content? Yeah, however they're doing Locked On Broncos, go check out Locked On NFL. And I'm five days a week and even this time of year, and we're, go- we're going all the way around the league. Also check me out on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Quite a few followers there and very active as well. And I started my own website about a month or so ago called WilliamsonFootball.com that I urge you to check out too. And there'll be a little bit of fantasy stuff in there as well. And it's phenomenal because it, you know, it, it's a website that is paid content, but the content is great. It's insider information. It's got a different perspective on it. And I think that's a really awesome move, so I applaud you for that. I'm definitely going to get a subscription here at this month over at Williamson uh, Football. And I think you've done a phenomenal job, Matt, and I just t- thank you for taking the time to jump on and talk NFL and Broncos football with not only myself, but all my avid listeners and your listeners of Locked On NFL. Yeah, this is a blast. Let's do it again before the season starts. Absolutely look forward to it. Thanks, Matt.